slash and cast. Welcome back, fiends, to Handle a Whisker, presented by the Slash and Cats Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias that they emphasize. Tonight, we are wrapping up our Spooktober a little bit late this year uh, with one of the recent Hulu genre standouts. So before I introduce tonight's film, and introduce you to my co-host. Just a few general reminders for you guys. You can stay connected with us over on X at Hando Whisker Pod. And be sure to join us for our Twisted Tuesday watch parties, which are held every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time over at kick.com forward slash totally drunk. With that being said, as always tonight, I am joined by my co-host, Grindhouse Zombie. And Zombie, tonight we are taking a step uh, more into uh, the sci-fi subgenre with this one, with No One Will Save You. And you and I have, you know, we've been talking about this movie for a a while at this point. You know, it's one that you immediately brought to my attention, uh, basically the day of (laughs) when it came out. And, uh, I know you, you, you gave me like a, just like the smallest detail about it. And I was like, okay, well now I'm going to have to see this. And, uh, you know, I was already familiar with the director's work based off of his, uh, I want to say it was his directorial debut in Spontaneous, which is one that I really loved when I watched it, uh, when it, when it came out, I'm pretty sure we watched it on Twisted Tuesday, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, when yes. I when I rented it, and I was just blown away by it, and the ET callback in that movie is honestly like one of my favorite scenes in really any movie to come out in like the past five years. Uh, so when I saw the director of this one, I was like, I'm definitely gonna give it a shot. I'm glad I did. I've watched it several times since then, uh, and you know we we've talked a little bit about kind of like the community response to this movie and how it's kind of. I'm not going to say it's, like, been completely polarizing, but if you go into Rotten Tomatoes and you kind of, like, look at the audience score, it's still fairly middling at this point. It's still, like, pulling in, like, the mid-50s range, uh, which is surprising, knowing how long it's been out at this point, because it has been, you know, six, seven weeks at this point. Um, but it's it's one of those scenes where it's, like, I I do not quite understand still where this movie has lost people uh but hopefully with our discussion tonight maybe we can uh try to piece things together because like for for me like at this point in time like uh, you know I, I went back to my ratings was trying to figure out like okay where am i gonna place this and uh right now this is in my top three for 2023 well, that's pretty amazing because it's also in my top three. So, um, and to be perfectly honest, I think where it lost the horror people is that it's billed as a science fiction horror movie. And 
we all know that that can be kind of a divisive statement when when it comes to horror. Now, you know, so for me, I mean, and we've been we've been off for a minute, so let's catch everybody up. It's the first week of November. I'm almost at the end of my Halloween hangover. Finally got all the yard decorations picked up. I did did polish off Halloween on November 1st by going to see Terrifier 2 in the theater, which is going to be a good deal because we're going to start out November with the mean one, which is David Howard Thornton again. So I think that's going to be really fun. Um but yeah, this movie, I watched it the night that it came out. And uh, to be perfectly honest, um, and, you know, I'll, I'll be honest here, it might have something to do with the fact that it's been sort of a dud year for Halloween. Or, and I'm not Halloween, fucking A. God, I'm stuck on Halloween <laughs> on the brain. A dud year for horror in general. There's not been a lot of really tremendous standouts. There hasn't been, you know, one or two movies that allows the horror populace to sort of coalesce around them and just be super excited about. Um, but this one for me was really above reproach. I mean, you know, and we're talking about a movie that even though it's a little sci-fi based, I think it still has all of the horror elements in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's also a movie that when you break it all the way down, it has five words of dialogue. Five. I mean, and Let's be honest here. To pull off a movie with five words of dialogue is a feat in and of itself. To have a movie that you pull off with five words of dialogue and it's this good is it, it's something that almost nobody can do. I mean, it makes it makes a quiet place look wordy, you know? So it's like it's 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 pretty impressive. Um, you know, Caitlin Deaver did a fucking amazing job in this movie again with five words of dialogue um so i mean one of the fun ones of the year i think i've watched it maybe four times now um every time i pick up something i didn't see the time before it just gets a little bit better um and like i said i agree with you it's in my top three for the year and that's that's something mm -hmm. Yeah, it is worth noting, you know, we, we did get around to this one fairly late uh, for a couple of reasons. Obviously, uh, I I was sick this past week, which really sucked. Uh, definitely kind of like, like I say, ruined my Halloween, but, uh, you know, it definitely brought my spirits down around the holiday. Um, but just to like fill in the gaps here, at least for like upcoming schedule wise, uh, you know, we're we're basically like a week behind uh, at this point. So, you know, we'll do a couple of Sunday, Wednesday recordings uh, leading into uh, Days of the Dead Chicago, which we got coming up here in a matter of uh, let's see, it's it's like 12 days from now. Uh, so I'm looking forward yep. to that, veteran at that convention, seeing everything that's going on. So got guest announcements rolling in for that convention. Uh really close to the con at that uh which is fantastic uh but yeah so that, that's gonna be a great time and i, I can't wait to uh see what sort of shenanigans is gonna ensue that weekend uh because that's gonna be my first time actually staying uh at the crown plaza for a convention uh which will will, will be a nice change of pace rather than you know kind of commuting back and forth uh, to Rosemont in this case, uh, but for the remainder of the calendar year, you know, we were we're kind of like talking about like, okay, like, you know, typically for the podcast in December, we've kind of been doing like the holiday stuff. Uh, and then like November, we were kind of like trying to sprinkle in some Thanksgiving stuff. And, 
you know, we're, we're kind of like at that point now where it's like, OK, we've kind of basically hit like all the major stuff, at least for uh, Thanksgiving. Sure, there's a couple of more out there, uh, you know, some of which, you know, might be on Hulu, most of which would probably just be like straight to like video <laughs> type stuff. I mean, outside mm -hmm. of Thanksgiving, which is coming up, but that's also like the same weekend as Days of the Dead. So it's just kind of like. Oh, I kind of like tense stuff at that, just knowing. Uh, so we kind of shifted things around. So uh, starting Wednesday, uh, uh, you know, this week, we'll start with the holiday stuff, and we'll be doing that through uh, the entirety of November. So we get five recordings uh, for for that. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we haven't hit yet. Sure, we have hit some of the major stuff, but there's a lot of things kind of like in between that we still need to kind of like circle back to. Uh, included one of my guilty pleasures, which has become one of my uh, yearly watches at this point in time, which is one of the sci-fi originals of all things. Uh, and then in in December, we're going to do kind of like our best of because I know, you know, you and I are always keeping track of, you know, the movies we're watching, what our standouts are. And while, sure, tonight's movie is in our top three, obviously, we're not going to like double up and talk about this movie a second time. Well, technically, we've already kind of done that, but I mean, fully discuss it. <laughs> um, but we're going to do our best of 2023 throughout December, because uh, I know you and I both have uh, some different opinions on like some of the best ones. And I know we also have movies that you and I probably haven't seen from each other's list. So uh, I, I know right. one of mine, I wouldn't say is strictly horror. There's definitely elements of it uh, that I am going to add. Because uh, it is my favorite movie list, and it's probably one you've never heard of. Uh, but we'll get into that at a later time. But th basically, that's how we lay things out for the rest of the year, just so you guys know. And, uh, you know, just looking forward to seeing uh, what November is going to do. We already got our lineup ready, and uh, I'll let you guys know about that towards the end of this recording. But as you mentioned, we're starting with the mean one, uh, which was that uh, Grinch horror movie that came that was supposed to come out last year and uh the theatrical distribution was i'm not gonna say non-existent but like the nowhere near me i actually got it so i don't know where the fuck it actually played at this point and then there was just no word about you know vod releases or anything like that but it's finally out now so we're gonna hit that here on wednesday yeah i would be surprised if that one didn't get hung up by like a, we'll call it a potential lawsuit <laughs> um because i mean let's face it everyone knows what it's about mm -hmm. um so yeah to back up just a tiny piece so days of the dead chicago this is gonna be fun because i'm gonna be there too um so we're gonna i think in a perfect world if we could make at least some sort of mini kind of hey everybody welcome to days of the dead i think i would like to try to pull that off i, I would assume you'd be on board assuming you're not too busy shilling at your table but i mean mm -hmm. I, I i totally get that guys got to make a living but it'd be kind of fun to do that um i'll admit i really do like the doing christmas in november because i think it gets everybody primed up for the for the season um and i want it noted from my chair that your friend grindhouse zombie the baddest zombie loving guy loves the horror loves the blood and guts is bringing you a fucking musical so you're all welcome. You're all welcome. Um, but it's going to be fun. And then I, I, I sort of do also like the let's kind of end the year with 
what has been great so far. Um, I know a lot of horror podcasts tend to do their big year-end wrap-ups in October, and I always, I've always felt that's a little premature. I mean, I think, I think they, there's definitely a point to it. It's the spooky season. Like, I totally get that piece of it, but I always think it's a little premature. But then the funniest part is, there's nothing really on the radar for me other than Thanksgiving. Um, and I probably will sneak out and see that the Thursday before coming to Chicago because I'm me and I like the I like the the, er, the early Thursday stuff. Um, and AMC has gotten pretty good about having those out, like either a, a four o'clock show or a six o'clock show that I can actually see it that works for my life. So I'm kind of excited for that too. But yeah, I think Days of the Dead is going to be great. It is a shame that Damon Leone canceled because I needed his autograph on my goddamn cereal box to finish the son of a bitch out. But that's okay. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be an exciting weekend. I think it's going to be great. And like I said, we'll if if we can make it work, we'll try to do something just to, you know, fun from Days of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't decided if I'm going to walk the floor dressed as Art the Clown yet, but I might. We'll see. <laughs> um, but this year, I, I actually got to go back and watch um, Trick or Treat this year. And it was one of those movies that I would have sworn that I saw. And then I watched it, and I'm like, I've never seen this before. So I have fallen in love with Trick or Treat this year Um, to the point where I now own a really, really legit Sam costume. (laughs) So I also might walk the floor in that, understanding to everyone who's listening that I can't see shit when I'm wearing the mask. So if I bump into you, it's your fault, not mine. Um, It's going to be fun. I think we've got a really great end of the year wrap up going here um and i hope everyone just keeps paying attention because this is going to be fun and there's a lot of things i know looking at the list we were talking about for uh november anyway there's one movie that i picked that i honestly haven't seen but i heard good things about i know there's at least one that you have that i haven't seen so and we've talked about it before it's really fun to get like new things and especially new things when you're watching with your friends. It's, it's a whole different experience than when you're watching it by yourself. I put on today because I had a little time, um, all hollows Eve trickster from 2023 made by a lot of the same people that were involved in terrifier. And I'm through the first part of what I'm guessing is an anthology and it's pretty good so far. So, I mean, (laughs) I'll always say it. Let's all just keep watching horror because if we stop, no one's going to make it anymore. Absolutely. So shifting gears into no one will save you. Uh, Okay. Basically, story-wise, this is all you really need to know. Uh, We follow Bryn, uh, who ends up having to uh, take on a group of aliens who are trying to take over uh, not just her home, but also the world. (laughs) Uh, Really. Uh, So as we've mentioned countless times, this movie uses almost no dialogue uh, in its entirety of its runtime. uh, As we see Bryn doing battle across uh, this small community against a number of different aliens who are hellbent on taking her down. Uh, So at the core, we have Bryn who has been carrying the secret with her uh which is also the reason why she's been alone uh and you know kind of like throughout this movie we have a couple of hints uh but it isn't really fully explained until like towards the end of the movie 
Well, you call it a secret, though, and I'm not sure it's that much of a secret because she's pretty well shunned by most of the town. Right. Um, and maybe they don't all know why exactly, but she's she's pretty well shunned through most of the whole thing. I, mean, I, I guess I should say secret in the fact that it's like it's not explained, but obviously, like, we know something okay like really okay. big happened but it's just we don't have the details of it yeah she's a pariah and you don't really know why okay yeah i would go with that that makes sense yeah so like i'm trying to think like what the best way to to do this one is because like i feel like such like a, a big chunk of this movie is really towards the unveiling of that secret and when Bryn is really like brought up into the spacecraft because that's like that's really like the biggest point of this movie because it's like the pivotal moment where uh you know you kind of have that moment where like the aliens are peering into her brain to see like what's causing all of that trauma and why she is the way she is like why she's like building this like town is like a like a like a diagram basically in this case um well, yeah she's she does build the big diorama of the town but I honestly think, and this is what I took away from it, so everybody in the world, feel free to think what you want, that the moment that they show you later, and the, and the moment is when her, her best friend basically kind of turns on her and sort of gets into her face about something and they have a fight, and, you know, her best friend pushes her down and then just as a reaction, I don't think it didn't seem like to me like it was a planned or a well thought out thing, throws a rock at her friend mm -hmm. and hit and hits her in the head and kills her. Um, now with the reveal, I think, I think a lot of people will interpret it as it's supposed to be the source of her trauma and see, I, I interpret it much differently. I think it's the source of her strength. Um, because Throughout this entire movie, she spends her life as a pariah in this town. Her mother dies, so now she's completely alone. You know, even trying to go to the sheriff's office to report her first sightings and her first fight with this alien, the sheriff ignores her and the sheriff's wife spits in her face. And it's like, hey, we live in a, in, in a day and age now where spitting on somebody is assault. Mm -hmm. Okay, so to know that the sheriff's going to do nothing, but then you also figure out in the big reveal that the sheriff and his wife were the parents of her best friend. So it's, it all makes sense. But, but again, it's another one of those things where the whole movie is so well carried off with no dialogue. Um, and, and that honestly to me is the, the most impressive part of this movie is that there is almost no dialogue, but the emotional things that they're trying to tell you for every scene, I, I really feel like they carry through really well almost to the point of, like, if you had dialogue, it would almost muddy what's going on, and it would almost just be, like, too much. Um, but, yeah, so I'll go back and I'll say one more time. I think that that mistake she made ultimately ends up being the source of her strength, and I think that's why, as the movie carries on, because she fights an alien and then wins, mm -hmm. and then fights an alien on the bus and then wins. And then fights another, and she is just fighting the whole time. But I think that's what she's gotten used to, and she's gotten really, really good at it. Yep, definitely obvious uh, if she is fight or flight uh, throughout all this. But like, even like when she goes to like the police station, you know, my 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 initial thought processes uh, obviously because I already knew about the lack of dialogue. Like, if if you're in this position, 
Like, how how exactly are you going about, like, trying to explain what is actually, like, unfolding in this town? You know, if you've already, like, secluded yourself uh, and been isolated from the rest of the community at this point in time, you know, you're always going to kind of, like, have that distinction from the townsfolk of, oh, well, like, she just keeps to herself. She's probably just going stir crazy at this point. Now she's babbling on about complete nonsense about how aliens are trying to, you know, take over her home. Maybe she's just starving for attention at this point in time. <laughs> so it's just like one of those scenes where it's like, I don't think there's really any good uh, way for you to bring this up in the first place without coming across like an absolute loon. Well, exactly. When you're already the town kook and then you run into the sheriff's office shouting aliens. I mean, <laughs> how are you going to, how are you going to be received? But I think the way this movie was both scripted and then shot. I think that's what was so brilliant about it is that she got to that point and then they just didn't bother with that because you almost knew it was going to happen anyway. And they gave you a moment where, like I said, the sheriff's wife spits on her and it's like, and then the sheriff does nothing. And you're like, wait a minute, there's something bigger happening here. And they give you little, little bits and pieces of it. You know, all the letters she was writing and, you know, and I miss you. It's been so long since I've seen you. And all these things. And, and you know, a, a part of that is, I think, her trying to make amends for what she did. But I think her continuing to make those amends, I think, is what turned that whole thing into her strength. And I'm going to say it again. It, it, it ended up being incredible because it, when you have so many battles and so many instances, I mean, and there's so many things in this movie that make sense. The town's being taken over. Let's get everybody on a bus and escape. But then you quickly find out on the bus the people that have the little squiggly things in their throats, and it's like, well, no, they've already been gotten to. I mean, and, you know, it does it does steal some, some aura mm -hmm. from some other movies, which is fine, you know. Um, there's definitely some Invasion of the Body Snatchers vibe. I mean, you can't watch this movie and not see that. Um, but at the same time, with a lack of dialogue, I mean, they rely on the scenes and the music and just the backdrop of everything. And it's done so well that I think you honestly forget that you're not hearing much from the characters. You're really not. And you get to a point where it almost becomes okay. And you, you almost get dialogue in your head versus hearing it while you're watching the movie. It is true, and a lot of it too just boils down to uh, your your main actress. Like, how well can you command the screen when you're basically like really the the focal point of like the entirety of this movie, which uh, you know Bryn is throughout all of this. But yeah, like that that moment when Bryn's like brought into the spaceship and you see the aliens like peering inside her mind to to see like okay, well like what makes this one different. Uh, you know, you, you have that moment where, you know, the aliens just decide outright, like, okay, we're, we're going to spare her, uh, from a painful death. Uh, but at the same time, we're, we're also going to, uh, give her basically like that, that second shot at life, uh, that she really only dreamt of. And it's like, that was like one of those moments where. You know, I I remember uh, I had a, I pulled a quote from uh, Brian Duffield in regards to like kind of like the ending and how it's you know kind of like sincere but it's also like cheeky at the same time. But there's there's just something like so compelling 
about being able to find your your spot in the world. No, no, no matter like if you consider it to be like picture perfect version of the world, but it, it's also just knowing it's kind of like built on the bare bones of uh, <laughs> really at, at this point in time, humanity's like annihilation, <laughs> and it's just like one of those scenes where it's like, uh, sure, we 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 essentially have this like approximation of life towards the end. Same with you know just friendship in general, uh, rather than having the real thing. Uh, but Brenda essentially just gets freed from you know being alone and completely isolated from the from you know the rest of. Uh, this town at this point in time so it, it's one of those mo- it's one of those movies that it's like yeah this is like a happy ending uh but like at least as happy as it possibly could be just in the sense that you know the world has just been completely destroyed by aliens at this point in time so it's like we still have our our little codec moment at the end that we have a little bit of a a, a, like of a dance number too, which was mm-hmm. which was pretty pretty interesting. Uh, which you know I'll get into the quote from uh, the director here in just a minute, but it was just one of those scenes where like at the end of it, because you know just remembering what you would uh, said to me like after you would watched it, I was like, what did he really mean by that? And then like at the by the end of it, I was like, I I totally get this. <laughs> well, I think that's the thing. See, I see I see two distinct things when I watch this movie. I see people that want to be accepted because everybody gets that. But I also see people that refuse to be broken. Mm -hmm. Um, And probably one of the more beautiful things of this movie is that these aliens, they start out, you know, coming into her house and it's kind of a little bit, little bitty alien. He's not super big. And she almost kind of accidentally kills that one. Um, but then she also is like, well, I've killed it. So she kind of covers it up and there's a little bit of a respect thing that she sort of shows, you know, and, it, and then they send a bigger alien and she kills that one. Then they send a great big fucking alien that she kills with her flaming Subaru. I mean, and it's like, so I, I love the fact that they just keep throwing more and more at her up until the point where she's got the little squiggly thing in the throat and she's like, nope. And like reaches into her mouth and pulls it out and is like, I'm... And so as much as we get to the end and there's this, like, mass assimilation thing that goes on, at the same time, it it feels like the aliens realized that they could not break her, so they gave up. And they just took everybody else over and left her alone, but for her, that was perfect, Mm -hmm. you know? And from my chair, honestly, I would be okay with all of this, you know, if... If I could get to the end of my day not getting any bullshit from anybody and then we just had a hoedown at the end, I'm, dude, <laughs> sounds awesome. Let's just let's just dance the night away and be happy, you know, and I don't care if all everyone else is aliens, at least they're all nice. Mm-hmm. You know, that would just be perfect. <laughs> yeah, no no judgment being passed by the aliens at this point in time. Exactly. <laughs> nobody cares what you're wearing, nobody cares if your lipstick is perfect, whatever else. Everyone's just like, hi. And that's kind of the big like one of the biggest things. That was so great because she spent a, there was 10 minutes at the beginning of the movie where she was like going through town and she would wave at people and they all just kind of like turn their backs on her. Mm-hmm. And at the end of this, it's like everyone's like, hi, and it's just this big smile. And it's like, I hate to say it. That's what we kind of all want. We all just want to wave to our neighbors and they wave back and smile, you know, and that's just not what the world is now. 
Right, so uh, Brian Duffield gave some insights uh, in regards to, like, the sincerity and the cheekiness of the ending, and he said, uh, you know, I really wanted to direct a musical, and no one would let me, so joke's on them. Uh, no, I know the ending needed to have something communal for Bryn. That I love the character Bryn, and I know Caitlin does too. And I think we were both really protective of her. She's dealt with a lot of emotional stuff before the movie even started, and then we really just kick her ass up and down the whole movie. It felt like you could do the, and I, you know, I love A24, but you could do the real slap in the face ending with her dying or whatever, and give everyone that hard thing, but I just liked her too much to be pouring more salt on so many wounds. So I wanted her to be better off at the end than she was at the beginning of the movie, no matter what. And I wanted her to have some kind of communal element because that's such a huge part of the movie that she doesn't have a community. Then it felt like, well, what would that community thing be? And I was just like, oh, she probably would throw a dance. But that's too crazy. And then I never thought of another idea. So it was in the script. And I was always like, well, someone at some point is going to tell me no. And then <laughs> it never happened. <laughs> So I, I, I just love the fact that, you know, he, he has this idea, he, he pens it in the script, and he's like, surely this isn't actually going to, uh, you know, pass all pass all the stages at this point with, uh, you know, the, the studio feedback and whatnot, and, uh, you know, sure enough, ended up making it into the final cut of the movie, so pr pretty entertaining to, uh, to see that was actually the case. Uh, but yeah, definitely a happy ending at that point in time. Uh, but, but you know, really just the fact that the aliens really spare her at this point and, you know, you know, we, we see, you know, that moment that made Bryn lock herself away and, you know, her departed parents' home where, you know, she was basically making these fantasy worlds out of the models as a way to escape uh, basically the world around her at this point in time. So it's like, okay, well, if I don't really have a place... Uh, in this world, let me just create my own. And, you know, I, de I definitely know a lot of people who... I'm not going to say a ton of people, but I know a lot of people who are, are like, really into uh, kind of, like, that world-building aspect, whether it's through, like, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, building a lot of miniatures, whether it's people who, uh, like, collect... God, what? I'm trying to remember what those little towns are called, but, you know, it's... They're... <laughs> You know, it can be train sets, it can be other collectibles, uh, we can mm -hmm. just build, like, entire towns. I know a ton of people who are into that. So, like, I, I, I totally get that, but yeah, like, I don't know if you heard, like, the entire quote uh, that I said, but basically Duffield's, like, uh, he, he didn't he didn't know whether or not, like, the dancing was actually going to, like, make the, the final cut of the movie, because they thought, like, someone was actually going to tell him no, and then that just never happened, so he just kept it yeah. in. <laughs> so, well, but the ending of that movie is beautiful. I mean, and it's beautiful in a lot of ways. I mean, and it's it's rare to see because it's kind of like you said, it's like it's a happy ending, but <laughs> and the but being complete world assimilation. <laughs> but uh, for somebody like Bryn and uh, to your point about people that like Dungeons and Dragons and train sets and the, the tiny little Christmas towns and things like that that's completely fine. <laughs> like nobody, most people would be like, that's just better. You know? Um, I think for me, I, 
the thing that probably spoke loudest about this movie is that you go out into the world and if you if you break this this movie down to like its core what is it about and i don't think it's about aliens i don't think it's about world domination i think it's about brin and brin's actions and then moreover brin's loneliness mm-hmm. um and so it tells you that a actions have consequences b it's possible to look back on your actions and say boy I really made a mistake, but there are times in life where you do things that you can't take back. Um, so what do you do in those situations? Um, for her, it was to withdraw into her own world. And this, I think especially after her mother passed away, she was completely withdrawn. Um, the thing that I would say about that is that's probably not the healthiest approach for a person, um, but it makes for a good movie, right? And... As far as people doing their own thing, I mean, let's look at the walls behind both of us. I think we understand, you know, doing our own thing, collecting, building your own world. To a lot of us, I think more than people actually know, it makes a ton of sense. Um, And it's very easy to justify and it's very easy to live in and be comfortable because that's just how it is. I mean, but... I'm still going to say it's crazy that this movie was able to tell me all those things. Um, And it told it through music. It told it through visuals. um, And and it told it through just, and I'm going to say this, what was fucking superb acting from Caitlin Deaver. Um, What it didn't do is tell it to me through dialogue. And, the thing I really appreciate about this movie is that it didn't tell me how to feel. It gave me a thing and let me feel how I wanted to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see with this movie and with its tone and its tenor how a lot of dialogue would have really fucked that up. You know, it would not have given me that opportunity to, to feel how I wanted to feel. Um, and that's ultimately why, I, I, like I said, it's in my top three for the year. And there's a reason because... The first time I saw it, I was blown away by how good it was. Subsequent watches, it got deeper into me and told me more about the movie, told me more about myself and how I am as a person. Um, Gave me some solace in being me is okay. Um, And that's a, dude, that's a really rare thing. That just doesn't happen, you know, and especially not in a sci-fi horror movie. (laughs) It just doesn't happen. And I, I did really appreciate the approach of, you know, I, I think with alien invasion movies in general, we are so accustomed to seeing uh, basically like the the wave approach where, you know, initially we were just sending in the little itty bitty guy. But in this case, it was just one individual little baby alien to like kind of like scope the surroundings and whatnot. Uh, and then it's just like, okay, the second wave is going to hit, and then that's when we are bringing literally everything at your doorstep. We didn't really have that here. You know, it's more of a gradual buildup, which is just so completely different from uh, the norm. And not to say, like, just seeing the visuals, like, the, the poster for this movie, absolutely fantastic. Just a strike in, uh, you know, you have, like, the spaceship beam coming straight down onto uh, her parents' house, and, of course, you see, you know, the body, like, floating up. Uh, you know, towards the sky at this point in time. You know, we're we're always talking about 
scale and how it's kind of like portrayed, whether it's with creatures or in this case with aliens. And, you know, we we, we basically go from the, the infancy <laughs> really early on in this movie with, yeah. you know, the, the initial uh, scout, for lack of a better term, uh, to, you know, kind of see, like, what this chick is up to, uh, to having the full-blown, like, this thing's, like, 40 feet fucking tall at this point in time, <laughs> which could easily just rip the roof off of, uh, you know, this place. Uh, but, you know, we th they also play a lot with, like, the, just, like, the beaming process mm. on top of that, too, which is great. Uh, but, yeah, like, there... there one of the things, too, that it's like, okay, we, we definitely have movies that tend to borrow some ideas from other movies. You know, we're, we're used to that. And there, there have definitely been movies out there that we have covered at times that are a little, uh, I'm going to say a little bit more, way more heavy-handed when it comes to that approach. But at least, like, with this one, it didn't just feel like, okay, I'm just watching a combination of this and this. Um, I know with the lack of dialogue, I was like, okay, well, how are they going to pull this off? Uh, you know, Deaver's completely just knocked it out of the park where it's like, I never at any point was just like, is she going to talk at all? I didn't really care at this point. I was like, I was just so drawn in by her presence on screen that like, just lack of dialogue didn't really matter to me, uh, all that much. And just to see her progression throughout the entirety of this movie, uh, and just, see where she started and then like where she finished that like you you do have that full progression moment where it's like i don't care if it's the end of the world she has found her home she has her place in society at this point in time and she's at a point now where literally no one is going to judge her no one's going to spit into her face uh and sure like it might be on you know the bones of uh you know the world's ashes at this point in time but uh you know for her None of that matters. She was just looking for a place to belong at this point in time. And it really kind of, like, gave me, like, the end of Krampus vibes. You know, being in the snow globe, <laughs> essentially. You know, we, we have, yeah. we have like, our picture-perfect moment where she's completely in her element. And everything that's happening around her, like, on the, on the outside of the scale, does not mean a thing. She's just perfectly happy she's where she needs to be and that's all she needs at this point in time well i think you nailed it earlier when you talked about like the little the little baby alien because i saw it like this they sent in a drone mm -hmm. then they sent in a soldier then they sent in a tank and she had defeated all those things so now we're to the point where it's like okay here's my spaceship and my laser beam and guess what i'm gonna bounce you off the floor i'm gonna bounce you off the ceiling i'm gonna pin you to the wall and it all felt like, to me, it all felt like a test. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, this 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 character is clearly stronger than we thought she was. And as they show you the rest of the town, and the town folded like a cheap suit, mm -hmm. just thoop, just when they were just done. And it almost felt like there was a little bit of, and this I think is a rare thing when you have like a quote unquote alien invasion, where they ramp up what they have to throw at one specific character, not a specific city or anything like that, where they're like, they, they sort of have this head shaking confusion. Of like, why is this so hard? <laughs> like this, this doesn't make a lot of sense. This is one person. The rest of the town folded. Why is this one person? But again, I'm going to go back and say, I think that that when they, they dig into her brain, when she's in the ship and they see 
the things that happened to her and then how over her life she sort of tried to mentally atone with writing all of the letters um, to her friend. And I want to say that her friend's name was, was it Maud? It was Maud. Yeah, her friend's name was Maud. And so I think that was, for them, I think it was like evidentiary of her strength and how she was not going to be broken by this thing. And they were like, because it feels like even after she's, you know, she's been beat up, she's been basically infected by this thing, but then pulls it out of her mouth and casts it aside. And they put her in a place where she's in a field fighting herself. Um, but then herself tries to kill her, but then she kills herself. Um, visually, visually, that was so magnificent, just watching all of that. And the lack of dialogue puts you in a place where you are paying attention to the movements of the characters and every little thing that they're doing um, because you're not distracted by what they might be saying. So you get to watch the whole thing. And it, to me, it was like the obvious point where the aliens must have just been like, well, okay, we're never going to kill her. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So let's just let her have her way. Um, and that's not something that you ever see in a sci-fi horror movie. You never see that. The aliens never stop. They are bent on world domination and taking over everybody. They never just go, okay, time out. <laughs> time out. Uh, yeah, you, you're good. You stay over there. Because, you know, even as she goes to the dance, and, and I, I, I'm sorry, the whole dance scene is is just wonderful. But But every partner she's dancing with has the little scragglies on the throat. <laughs> and it's like... There's a piece of me, and again, being somebody who understands model trains and small towns and Dungeons and Dragons and all those things, there's a piece of me that understands that having the whole world taken over by aliens it might be beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I might be okay with that. Um, I mean, because uh, at that point, it's like, I don't think, I think you and I are the kind of people that probably the aliens would give up on. <laughs> You know, and we could just watch the rest of the sheep do their thing, and they'd always wave at us and say hello, and that'd be okay. Um, no, this is a. It's one of those rare movies. It's rare. It's really rare that it's as good as it is. It tells as much story as it does with five lines of dialogue. It's visually stunning. Um, every minute of the movie is compelling to watch. You don't. You don't get bored. Um, you don't, you know, pick up your phone and start doing whatever. You you are just locked into the story because you've got to see the next thing that happens. Because there is no dialogue, you are compelled by the visuals and things to see what the next thing that happens is. And that's, this is not something that I can imagine is easy to pull off. And it's, I mean, I don't want to say this movie is quite a masterpiece, but it's really fucking close. And to that point, too, it's it's an interesting case just in the fact that if it weren't for like some of the more uh, minor sequences, like in regards to kind of like the gravestones and just, you know, seeing the renters that Bryn is right into uh, Maud during her downtime, you know, this this movie honestly could have taken place really at any point, you know, like when you're looking like throughout the house, like 
it's not this is by no means a modern house it's probably built in like the 50s or, or 60s like there's a rotary phone inside the house because you know it's her her parents old place you know we see like the old record player so we never really can really pinpoint like at one point in time uh this movie is actually taking place and you know just knowing the fact that you know you have someone here who has been living uh the majority of her life in complete isolation uh at this point like now like even like nowadays like that isn't super common like sure you're always gonna have the people who are like oh my god like i need to just get out of here i need to like live off the grid like i'm gonna go for i'm gonna go live in the woods i'm gonna forge forge mushrooms for the rest of my life and just you know do whatever this point in time you know it's usually the loons which we talked about earlier who were, who were doing that uh you know, the ones who were always worried about the government spying on them and, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, the phones are always listening. So then we always get these weird ads and you're like, well, how the hell did they know what I was thinking? So why is this popping up on uh, my Google searches? There's well, there's I, so many things to talk about. Well, I know. On that. <laughs> and, and, and I, I could be wrong. So if I'm wrong, I please correct me. But one of the things you never saw in this movie was a cell phone. Mm -hmm. Never. The biggest phone interaction, there was two scenes of phone interaction. The first one was her dancing through the house, enjoying what she was doing, and her phone rang, and she picked it up and just hung it right back up, mm -hmm. which is something I understand. The second time was needing the phone, and it didn't work. Yeah. So, I mean, but beyond that, there was no, I mean, there was no really, you know, and maybe other than going to the to the police station after the first one, she never made any attempts to like contact the outside society and really try to get any help. But I think that was also one of the more compelling things to me too, is that she didn't, she didn't pull out her Apple phone and be like, aliens landed. What do I do? You know? <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, so, but, but I think that contextually, uh, like to your point about like, when could this be? I mean, she's, she's driving a Subaru, so I can make mm -hmm. a couple assumptions about her, but I'm not going to, cause that's just mean. Um, but I mean, there's not much that tells you this is 2023. I mean, this could have been 2023. It could have been 2018. It could have been 2000, mm -hmm. you know? And, but again, I think that's another piece of what they did to make it uh, warm and inviting and not stuck in a place where a certain person couldn't necessarily understand it or couldn't gravitate towards the story because let's face it, we've all fucked something up in our life that we wish that we could take back and fix and do whatever. Um, but they make this, they make it almost timeless to be perfectly honest, because it, with, with the house, it felt like, it was probably like mid nineties cause it was, it was current enough and you know, um, but then the bike that she rode was not current at all. The car that she drove was fairly current. Um, the bus that everybody got on was a little current, but then you get to the end of the movie and the dance that they're at felt like 1959 somewhere. Um, and so <sighs> On top of everything else that they did in this movie so brilliantly, they made the movie timeless. I mean, so, I mean, it just, for me, it just keeps getting better and better and better. Absolutely. And uh, I, I will say, too, like, in regards to, you know, build intention, even, like, early on when, you know, we, we send, you know, the baby alien or the scout, as, you know, we, we were talking about. 
you know, I, I'm not going to say, like, we were at the point where it's like, oh, man, like, what's going to happen? Like, this thing's scaring the shit out of me or anything like that, because, like, this is this is just the, the littlest of the littles at this point in time. But it definitely, like, kind of harkened back to, like, my feelings of, like, watching the Velociraptors in the kitchen in Jurassic Park for the first time. Because, you know, you have that moment uh, where, you know, she's, you know, trying to hide in, like, th this little list of spots, and you see, like, the backdrop of the creatures, like, entering the house, and, you know, you, you have the tension building where they're, like, trying to, like, pull, uh, basically, like, get the body out of the house after, like, she had disposed of the first one, and just seeing, like, how they were gonna go about that. You know, it really wasn't about, like, okay, like, we need to find whoever did this. It was like, no, we need to bring our, we need to bring our friend back to our ship so we can do, you know, whatever with the body, like, give it the proper setup, which, you know, she was initially, uh, sort of trying to do, basically, like, at least showing a little bit of respect in this case. And, you know, maybe, like, that was, uh, also kind of, like, the fir the first nod to, at least the aliens at this point, like, hey, like, this person is not like the others, because anyone else in this little ho-dung town probably would have shot at them and been like, all right, fuck you, like, we're just gonna move on and, uh, find the rest of them, you know, it's just like, this is, it didn't really seem like a, like, this community was gonna be one of those, okay, one and done, it's like, no. But, uh, you know, turns out this town really didn't have that much fight in them outside of Bryn, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. And I, I love the idea of just slowly pulling the parasite out of the mouth. You know, we, we have that body horror element, uh, which, you know, we, we didn't get a ton of that here, but it was just one of those moments that, like, if you are a little squeamish, that, that will definitely be, like, the, the one sequence in this movie that... Uh, might unnerve you a, a little bit, but this this is by no means a, a gross-out, you know, horror movie out there. You know, it, it does a good job at, uh, you know, slowly building the tension. It, it's not just, we're going from 1 to 100, and we're just not going to let you go. You know, you need that gradual build-up. You know, you have the gradual build-up when it comes to just how the aliens, like, make their approach. And then, you know, then it really starts to play with the scale, and you, you see... Uh, you know, a little bit about, like, well, how relentless are these aliens actually going to be uh, the more that they start to take over the town, when you start to see uh, more of the townsfolk starting to, like, actually approach her at this point in time, and that's really, really, you have more interactions with the aliens than you do uh, with Bryn and the rest of the town, even before, you know, we have, like, the, quote, complete annihilation uh, towards the end of the movie. Well... Well, okay, so a couple of things. I mean, A, one of the one of I thought the really well done parts of this is when it came to the aliens, they didn't really cut any corners. They didn't do they didn't do or or take the signs route where I'm gonna show you a shadow or I'm gonna show you a finger, or whatever else. It's like here's the alien. Mm. Um now they definitely built that up in scale over the movie. Like the third alien that you see, the one that lo it looks like a charging bull coming across the field. I mean, but there's a there's a risk there, right? And the risk is that the aliens they suck or they're not compelling. They don't look good on screen. Mm -hmm. So whatever they did here, the aliens were fantastic, you know. And they weren't aliens that walked in in any kind of like body armor and laser guns and whatever else. They were just looking around and poking at things and do. I mean, so I mean, it 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 felt like suit like that's what a naturally I think to me what an alien would do. It's like, well, I know you're here. Where'd you go? 
mm-hmm. you know, and I'm and I'm looking around and, you know, and, you know, at one point she arms herself with, I think it was a curling iron and she's like, just doing all these things. I mean, so it felt very natural, but it was, I thought it was something of a triumph what they did with the aliens, just putting them out there. Just here's the alien. It's not going to be in a shadow. It's not, we're not going to hide it behind a tree. It's not going to creep through a fog. It's like, here's the aliens. Boom, here you go. Um, so that was extremely well done. But then when it comes to her and like, especially like the, the townspeople, I think you're absolutely right that uh, her interactions with the townspeople were all completely negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then her interactions with the townspeople when they had been taken over, to be perfectly honest, were slightly less negative. <laughs> so, I mean, it's sort of it, it, it's sort of building from these two different avenues of this, uh, like almost a... Uh, uh, everyone gets together and kind of has this weird coup d'etat where it's like, okay, this is how it's going to be. And it makes a lot of sense because everything that you see with her and the townspeople, other than the very end of the movie, is people either ignore her, they scoff at her, they spit on her, they do something that is just... like things that are not acceptable now, I think in, in a regular society, although we all do the same things every day. We just, I think most of us don't spit on people, but we ignore people and do whatever else. Mm-hmm. But I also think that's a big piece of, of what builds her character. Like, I think, I think her character as the movie goes on and as she kills the bigger and bigger aliens and as she deals with the townspeople, I think that's, what's continually building her strength because I mean, you get to this, the end of this movie and she is, she's beat down she has been completely put upon. There's like next to nothing left, but through her memories and through her actions, she convinces an alien species to leave her alone because she's just fine like she is. I mean, and that's fantastic. And, and going to our earlier point, that's kind of what all of us want. We want to be just fine as we are. Absolutely. So it, it really makes you wonder, like at the end of this, like, now that she has found her place, like, obviously, like, she's, she's, she's moved away from her parents' house at this point in time. So, if it's the, if, we're, we're at the end of the world, we have the aliens taking over this town, you know, we have her host bodies. Are the aliens going to continue to build at this point in time? It's really where it leaves me wondering, because, you know, they, they have their spot, but it's like, are they going to continue to expand? Or are they going to move out? Are they moving to the next town over? Like, what? what's, like, the long-term goal here? Because obviously at this point in time, like, at least in this specific town, everything is run shot uh, at this point in time. But I wonder, too, like, you know, we finally came across someone who has such, like, a sort of, like, steely resolve <laughs> that it's, like, that... You know, it might maybe deter them from, you know, trying to expand further uh, outright, too. Just knowing that, okay, everyone else in this town has been a complete pushover at this point in time. And we finally found, like, that one person who, I'm not going to say, like, put us in our place, but at least gave us enough of a challenge to to really, like, open our eyes on, like, how strong humanity can actually be. Well, when you get to the end of the movie, though, and you go up into the sky and you see that there's ships everywhere um i don't know that they 100 percent give it to you but i have to wonder to myself for is because it, it it did seem like they had different colored beams for things and like the beam you see on the poster almost feels like 
the submission beam where it's like, I mean, because I look at the poster and if you look at it, it's like, well, you can say that she's being taken up, but I would also argue that maybe she's being put back down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when they show you all the ships up there, and, and to your point about what the goal is, you know, maybe for every town they go to, there's one person that gets put back down. Um, and I would hope that that's kind of what it is. But I mean, this movie, the one thing it doesn't, and I think it's the beauty of being a person, trying to be accepted, trying to understand your place in life, is that you might get to at the end of one day and it's absolutely great, but you have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. And that's the one thing this movie doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell you what tomorrow looks like. It gives you the right now. This is how today is going. And today is fantastic. Tomorrow could be a challenge again. You know, because if nothing else, Bryn had challenge after challenge after challenge after challenge, and then she got this one great moment. And then the next days could be challenges again. But that's kind of what life is, you know? So it's it's not easy to live, but I mean... I like your comment about steely resolve because that's what it takes to get through life. It takes some resolve to get through it. Um, and you have to really appreciate the great and perfect days and you have to be able to let the really shitty days roll off your back and just you keep going and waiting for the, that next perfect day. And it is interesting too, like when the the town initially starts to get taken over, you know, we, we kind of have like that uh, recurring character who... Uh, is in hot pursuit of uh, of Bryn, <laughs> which is yes, <laughs> which is just one of those things where I'm like, all right, where exactly uh, are are they are are they going with this? But it was just one of those things where it's like, part of me is like, oh man, like they're they might overplay their hand at this point in time. But it was also like the most interaction like we've seen with Bryn and like another person on screen at this point in time. So like I kind of just give it a pass. Uh, well, but I think, but I think that one character is the mailman. Mm-hmm. That's the mailman. I think you're yeah. talking about. But if you think about it, the most interaction that Bryn is having with, we'll call it her trauma, is writing those letters to Maud. Right. So I think the mailman piece of it makes sense because that's the he's the intermediary between writing her letters and but then like never actually sending the letters. Right. You know what I mean? Because based on the reaction from the the sheriff and his wife, I don't think she. Well, now that I think, huh? God damn! I hate when you do this to me. Uh, so I mean, if you think about it, maybe, maybe the point of the mailman is that maybe she was writing somebody's letters, and maybe she was because just based on the volume that she had, especially up in her attic, maybe she was writing ten letters and mailing one, and maybe the parents were getting them, and maybe that's why. The reception was so, I don't even want to use the word cold. It was just horseshit. Um, But so maybe that's the piece. So maybe they used the mailman as that, you know, the guy that was continuing to sort of, whether it be positive or negative, like bridge her trauma back to those parents. That's an interesting point. God, I hate when you do that. You make me think these new things. It's so because now I gotta watch it again. <laughs> Damn it! Okay, but maybe I mean really maybe that's it because of the interaction with her and the mailman between the bus and then between when he came back to her her yard and then he inevitably ended up getting killed and then beamed back up onto the ship. There might be something to that. Oh man, 
Well, I'll tell you what. This is why this movie is so good. Because it makes you keep thinking. Mm -hmm. And maybe there is something to that. That's crazy. Yeah, because, like, uh, initially, like, like on the first pass, it's more like, okay, like, obviously he's he's kind of like, he's the one bringing, like, these other pieces that, you know, we're going to integrate into our own personal world, in this case, with, you know, her her town that she's building within her house with all of her uh, diagrams uh, in inside. But, yeah, but he's, he's also just, like, the central male character, like, in this entire movie, uh, more so than anyone else. Because uh, everyone else is just really just, for for lack of a better term, kind of just like background noise, you know, until we get to like the very tail end uh, of the movie. Oh, I think you're right. I mean, I, other than Bryn, aliens spend more time on screen than pretty much anybody else. Um, and, of course, that's a, if you factor in like humans that have been possessed, but they don't, most of them don't do much. The The mailman definitely kind of, Kind of came, like he, he he was just he constantly was was re-emeshed in the picture, like right. w- something that was going on. Um, but it does it, it seriously it it does make me think because when they're probing her brain, but then when when they're also there's a spot where she's in the house and one of the aliens is looking for her, and even the alien like takes letters and twists it in between his fingers and looks at it, and it's you know dear Maud. So, I mean. I wonder, this is just me wondering out loud, forgive me, but I wonder if that's more, uh, talking more about communication these days and how we communicate and that we can say something to somebody so instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Like like tonight we're getting ready and you're like, I'll be ready in 10 minutes. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's good. Um, but has that instantaneousness maybe taken away from the impact of communicating. Mm. And so maybe that's, maybe that's what I always wonder if like the mailman being there was, because if you think about uh, communicating with letters, communicating with letters is almost like a silent communication, right? It's not something, it isn't a phone call. It isn't a voicemail. It's not a video chat or anything like that. It's you sitting down, opening an envelope and reading Maybe in that person's voice, maybe not, but but I wonder if that maybe had a God fuck. Thank you. I gotta watch that. <laughs> I'm I'm doing it. I no, I'm doing it tonight. I'm gonna watch it again because this is a well, because this is a whole nother level of mm-hmm. thinking about what this movie is trying to tell me. And now that I'm thinking about that, it's like just I, this movie might be even more brilliant than I already think it is. And that's fucking astounding. So <laughs> huh. Damn it. Okay. Well, thank you for keeping me up late again. Appreciate it. <laughs> yep, you know me. You're constantly twisting your arm to make you rewatch <laughs> watch movies. <laughs> eh, well, twisting might be a little. <laughs> I know. I'm, yeah. be, I'm being exaggerated at this point in time. But it, it does, yeah. at the same time, too, though, it just it makes me think, okay, well, like, if this movie truly is timeless, like, what, what would have the aliens approach been? Like, let's say instead of writing letters, we were, uh, Okay, we were still taking an approach, but we were back in, like, older times where, you know, we're sending, like, the carrier pigeons at this point. Like, when the aliens, like, reach up and, you know, just grab a little note from from the claw at this point, or would they just 
consume the pigeon at that point in time. I don't know, but but either way, like at at the end of the day, we have this movie, um, Did which eat the pigeon. <laughs> yeah, you know, think of how much information that pigeon could actually have. You know, even the aliens <laughs> like, Kentucky, like Kentucky Fried Chicken. I yeah. like it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they they're just gonna. <laughs> You okay? These these aliens need to have like their position in the world. It's not. It's we're not always going to be having like these backyard barbecues, having their musical dance numbers. You know, you you need to have like those mundane moments of humanity too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you're right, but I mean, one of the one of the biggest pieces of this movie is like, what if these aliens? What if their goal was to come down here? And just make us all nice to each other. Mm-hmm. What if it was? What if it was to make society function flawlessly, where nobody ever stole anything, nobody ever murdered anybody, no one, and and it was like people went out and did their part during the day. They did their job, whatever their job might be, and then they came home, and then the community got together, and everybody had fun, and everybody was happy. I mean, can you imagine that? No, I can't. <laughs> I, no, exactly. So maybe. Maybe the aliens, if if you look at this whole thing, maybe the aliens are like the greatest peacekeepers ever. And when you have somebody that fights that hard to stay human and and, and fights that hard to like dig out of their isolationist hole, they're like, oh, no, no, you're the one that's still okay. We're going to leave you alone. We're just going to assimilate the majority of everybody else. I mean, there's some logic behind it. There mm-hmm. really is. Like, hmm, okay. So I, you know, here's to hoping the aliens come tomorrow because I'm pretty sure I'll be okay. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I'm definitely going to have to rewatch this at least through the uh, the mailman point of view to see uh, just how integral his part of the movie actually is. But yeah, definitely more of a screen presence than everyone else outside of Bryn and the aliens at this point in time. Uh, but yeah. Fantastic movie. I, you know, still confused as to why it's been as polarizing as it, as it is. And, you know, maybe it is just the fact that, you know, we, we do have elements of sci-fi. We do have elements of horror. We do have elements of home invasion. And, you know, sometimes when you try to combine all these different elements, things can get a little muddled. And maybe, you know, that might be where people are a little uh, withdrawn uh, from the movie. Or maybe they don't think it escalates enough, at least in regards to, like, those horror elements uh leading into it or maybe maybe they didn't like the way that it ended you know maybe they just didn't quite get the bigger picture at the end of the day but either way again you and i both had this top three of uh you know 2023 releases of the year and uh you know just looking ahead like i'm pretty confident it's probably not going to shift out of our top three anyway it's it's pretty unlikely that I mean because really the last the last big at least theatrical release is going to be Thanksgiving. Right. Um, now I have sort of high hopes for it because it's a it's a big budget slasher and those can be fun. Um, and fun being the key word there. I mean they're fun, they're entertaining, but are they good movies? Um, you can debate that all day long. Um. No One Will Save You is a good film. It's a good sci-fi film. It's a good borderline horror film. It's a good commentary film. It's a good 
social commentary film. It's a good isolationist film. It's it's a good it's a good film. And something that's billed as sci-fi horror. I mean, that's come on, that's pretty rare. I mean, you know, Ten Cloverfield Lane was a good sci-fi film. Aliens was a good sci-fi film. Um, the Thing was a good sci-fi film. Um, and forgive me, but I think it's in the same conversation as those movies. It's that good. Um, does it stand the test of time? It's hard to tell. I mean, people are fickle, and, and things change all the time. Um, this one's going to stick with me, and it's going to stick with me for a long time. Um, too many things to appreciate, too many things to dissect, too many things that were just fun, too many things that were done differently than a a normal film like this would do. Um, it, 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 carrying forward, I mean, I can I can see myself watching this probably minimum of once a year um, just to kind of take it in and see if I catch anything new. Our, our discussion tonight has brought me at least three things that I think are new. I've made notes that I'm going to have to go back and watch. Um, so that in and of itself tells me that it was definitely worth my time. It's been worth, the, I think, four or five times I've watched it, and it tells me that I need to see it again. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I... I told my wife she should watch this one, and it's like, it's got sci-fi aliens. And she's like, well, it sounds interesting. And I'm like, there's basically no dialogue. And she's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, well, okay, I, I understand what you're hearing me say, <laughs> but just watch it. Just watch it and then tell me if it needed any dialogue. And visually, structurally, the story, the reveal of the aliens, them them not being cloaked in fog and whatever else, um, the movie hits hard. The the whole uh, the the ray beams that the aliens have when they're bouncing her all over the place or they're pinning her to a wall, it is so visceral. I mean, it makes you hurt a little bit when you see those scenes. Um, and then again, the things that we talked tonight. There's some there's some connectivity between Bryn's trauma, her trying to come back, but then her also building strength from that too. It. it it's super modern day compelling told with a weird sort of fifties. Let's just all get along thing. I mean, and I think it does make it timeless and I, I hate to say it now, but I think it's, it's it, just from the discussion tonight and all the new things that we've kind of talked about, it's probably going to end up on the top of my list for the year. Um, now, is it fair to put a sci-fi horror at the top of the horror list? Um, you know, I don't fucking care. <laughs> I don't. It was good. It was compelling. The people that say that, oh, well, it, it, it was just a quiet place, but quieter. And it's like, well, okay. I, they're not the same films. They were never intended to be the same films. You got to pull your head out of your ass. You know, just grab a hold of your shoulders. And when you hear the pop, that's your head coming out. And then you can... <laughs> look around and see some sunshine. Um, it's, I don't think somebody can do a movie like this every year. There are, there are too many technical things that are hard to pull off that a lot of directors could not do. They just could not do. Um, Brian Duffield, dude, <laughs> this is grand slam home run top of the ninth world series game seven. This is wonderful. Um, Please keep doing what you're doing. You have you have some talent and you have some vision. And I think that's maybe the biggest thing is that talent is one thing, vision is another. This has got some vision. And it's just it was just great to watch. 
independent. And uh, if you guys like this one, I, I definitely 100% recommend going back to check out Spontaneous, which was a movie that he did prior to this, uh, which is another one that is uh, an another standout. And uh, yeah, another absolutely. one that is uh, kind of like a mashup. It's kind of like a... Honestly, it's more of a rom-com uh, than anything. <laughs> <laughs> which you know that's not really a genre that you know i'm going to be a champion <laughs> you know anytime soon but like well, that was definitely like one of those movies that has those elements that really stood out uh but you know there's just a lot of fun callbacks in that one and just the the whole like trying to like figure out like okay like why is all of this happening is very intriguing and it draws you in so definitely one well, to to seek out uh, on that front too uh but yeah no one will save you streaming now on hulu go check it out go uh go support brian duffield because uh, this guy knows what's up oh, you know he's he's definitely yes. he's come a lot of way since uh fuck the divergent series oh my god that was ugh. well you gotta start somewhere <laughs> you have to start somewhere I mean, it, and let's be honest everyone starts somewhere and it's very easy to confuse good with popular mm -hmm. and popular with good um no one will save you is not super popular, but it is super good. Um, you know, spontaneous. I enjoyed that movie. I mean, I enjoyed it. Now, could I could I talk as in depth and be, you know, quite as moved? Because I mean, that, that's kind of like the the big thing for me. Right. Uh, no, no one will save you. Moved me, and that doesn't happen very often. Um, the last the last movie that truly moved me moved me was Terrifier 2. Now, it moved me for different reasons, um, but it still moved me. Um, VHS 85 was pretty close to moving me, but it didn't quite move me, but it was it was good enough that I was like, wow. But, I mean, so many of these movies, it's like there's so much horror and so much sci-fi out there to watch, and, like, I could show this movie to my in-laws... And I think my in-laws would enjoy it. And neither one of them likes science fiction, horror, nothing. Okay? <laughs> Not even a little bit. I think they would enjoy it. Um, but I think the beauty of it is that depending on who you are as a person, you could take something different away from it. Um, and even talking tonight, it's clear that you and I both took some different things away from it, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that's what makes it great. Um, so, Yeah. Uh, totally support Brian Duffield. Whatever he does next, I am chomping it a bit. I, I hope it's in the horror vein. I'll be perfectly honest. If it's not, I'm still going to go see it because this was so good. Yeah, and it, it, what I really like about Duffield, too, is, like, we we have seen the progression over time. Because, like, Divergent, like, he uh, was one of the writers on. And I know after that, you know, he, he worked on The Babysitter. Uh, he worked on Underwater. Spontaneous was his directorial debut. Uh, which is, you know, what, what we were recommending. Uh, he also wrote uh, Love and Monsters, which is another pretty good one. Uh, and then, obviously, No One Will Save You was his, his last one, which he direct, he wrote uh, as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's just, I, I love when we actually get to see that progression. And, like, for, for, like, a directorial debut and then, like, a sophomore effort, like, in regards to really just anyone out there, like, that is such a strong one two combo that it's just like you know you you have to tip your hat to to Duffield 
with, with this outing that yeah. he's had so far. Like, so I, I want to say, like, everyone always talks about whether it's with movies or with kids, like terrible threes. Like, what it, what is going to happen next? But. Like I, I, I firmly stand behind whatever his next project is to be. It's, it's it's going to more than likely draw me in. I just want to see if he's going to continue to take this approach where it is going to be more of the uh, genre mashups uh, to try to spin it spin it on its head, or if he's you know maybe going to take a different approach at this point in time with uh, whatever his third effort is going to be at this point. Well, I think you nailed it right there, man. It's. No One Will Save You is it's billed as a sci-fi horror movie. Now, if you want to be honest about its themes and its topics, definitely some sci-fi, definitely some horror. There's definitely some drama. There's definitely some moments where it makes it feel like a bit of a period piece. Um, there's some isolationist stuff to it. Um, there's some small town goodness or badness, depending on how you look at it, to it. Um, and again, all done with next to no dialogue. So when you can do that and bring all those things together and make a film that's this cohesive, that tells this good a story, that is so compelling, and that you feel it. You really feel it. Um, and the movie speaks to you without speaking to you. And... I honestly think that one of the things films do these days is that when they're trying to speak to you, a lot of them don't speak to you. They condescend to you. Mm -hmm. And I am super put off by that. I will just be like, nope, I'm not going to do it. Um, so this movie, as hard as it speaks to you, it does it with a soft enough touch and lets you think what you want to think while keeping you along for the ride. <sighs> yeah, masterful. Just nothing short of masterful. Absolutely. So, uh, no, I was taking a look at uh, the calendar. It just seemed like, okay, like, what's Shutter bringing in? Uh, and I feel like this is important to note because I know this is one that uh, you have definitely brought up to me. Uh, Birth Rebirth is coming on Shutter November 10th. Oh, that's unfortunate because Shutter just pissed me off enough that I canceled it. And it was it, well, it, it was more technical issues than it was anything mm -hmm. else. I could not get through five minutes of a movie without everything locking up and having mm. to shut my computer off. Um, and I did get a hold of somebody at Shutter and they, an actual person, and they're like, I got past the, have you tried turning it off and on again phase? Um, and then it was like, I got into the clear your cache phase. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, what's your bandwidth? What's your this? And it was like, dude, like, right. I'm rocking, I'm rocking nothing short of a supercomputer here. So it's like, you know, I, it, when everything else works and yours doesn't, it's not me. Right. So, um, but that said, I think it will be good that, uh, people get to see birth rebirth. Um, that is an outstanding movie. I saw that as part of a film festival here in Minneapolis and I walked out of there blown away, just mm -hmm. blown away. Um, that is also in my top three for the year. So, um, maybe if we're lucky, if we have a, if we have a, a Twisted Tuesday sidebar or something, we could watch that again. Because, um, like I said, I don't have Shudder anymore. Mm -hmm. um, but it's a fantastic movie. I, it's it's one of the few from this year that everybody should see because it's so good. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah. I If we get a chance, we can factor it in. 
it's going to be probably in my December thing. So it would, I think we'll end up watching it because we'll just end up watching it for a twisted Tuesday. Um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing it again because I, there's a piece of me that wants to know if, cause I think I saw it. Oh man. It had to be in the middle of maybe even spring to maybe summer that I saw it as part of a film festival. And I kind of wonder if it's held up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, outside of that, too, though, um, there's another movie coming out on Shudder, which has been uh, one of the independent films that I've been championing for, God, ever since it came out, which is also a zombie movie. Uh, mm. Pontypool is coming on Shudder. Uh, oh, towards Pontypool. The, towards the end of the month. And that's, that is, that is to me, when we talk about uh, genre films... I think that has been my most recommended movie to all of my peers. <laughs> like, more so than literally any other movie, just because I remember watching it for the first time, and I was like, man, the, the way, just the approach of this movie, for what it is, was just so unconventional that it just blew me away, and just the use the use of language, and if you're, an, if you're an audiophile on top of that, it's just like, oh my god, like, this movie is... Really something to behold. So I, I'm definitely going to rewatch that when it comes out uh, on Shutter, even though oh. like I do own the movie. Uh, but it's just one of those why. one of those things where it's like it's one of those zombie movies that you just need to experience and really just fully appreciate just because it's a uh, very singular setting on top of that, too, which is uh, always a plus in my books when it comes to uh, the zombie subgenre. Oh yeah, with the radio station, and that's another one of those things where I will always say is a risk if you're gonna if you're gonna big box your movie. You know, you're in the big you're in the big box store and you can't get out, but it pays off so grandly. It's and just the uh, so many so many zombie movies focus on survival and you know weapons and food and and this movie doesn't do any of that. It's it it. It's so beautiful that it focuses on the cure, call it the cure, mm-hmm. is is just people expressing themselves and expressing themselves in a certain way. It's yeah, no, it's 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 fantastic. It's it, probably I'm guessing somewhere between 11 and 13 on my all-time zombie movie list. <laughs> and I'm I'm a huge. Well, my name is Grindhouse Zombie for Christ's sake. So it's like I I I like zombie movies. I'm always gonna like them, but and there's a million zombie movies out there. It is it's close to the top ten as mm-hmm. far as just like greatest of all time. So one or two steps above and on the apocalypse. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. So I I'm, I'm honestly surprised that you picked that one. <laughs> well, you know what? There gets to be a point where it's like. A, it is a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. B, it's a horror movie. Yeah. C, it's a zombie movie. Now, depending on what kind of mood you're in, any one of those things could be in any order. It really doesn't really matter. But Anna and the Apocalypse is so goddamn fun that it really doesn't matter which which movie you're trying to watch. You're trying to watch the Apocalypse movie, the zombie movie, the Christmas movie, the musical, the comedy. It is so damn fun. And if you... If you don't find yourself toe tapping and singing along during that movie, there's just something wrong with you inside. You're just dead inside. So you should like talk to a trained professional about that and hope that you don't become a serial killer because 
it's just too fun. It's it, mm-hmm. every character in the movie, maybe other than the principal, is like fun. <laughs> um, but it's 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 crazy mystical zombie fun, mm. all set during Christmas with snow and snowmen and Santa Claus. I mean, it's just it's just great. So yeah, it was it was more of a surprise for me just because like usually I'm the one who recommended the musicals <laughs> for the podcast. Well, well, and fair enough, but it was like when you said to me, "Okay, pick three, I was like, mm-hmm. it, "That was my first one. It was honestly my first one, and then it was like, "What other curveballs can I throw here?" And it was it was a curveball list. It was totally a curveball list. So, um, like I said, the retaliators, and then, um, oh, what the fuck was the last one? God, I should drink less. Um, uh, rare exports was the other rare one. exports which yeah. is and, and, at, honestly like to me uh outside of black christmas that's at the top of my list really yeah okay for see. at least like overall enjoyment and just doing something a little bit more off kilter the storytelling in that one is really what helps separate se- separate well, it from like the sh- rest of the pack well and this should be fun because little secret i've never seen it mm, interesting so yeah so uh but that's kind of how it goes with movies, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's people that have never seen a, a Mission Impossible movie or a Fast and the Furious or a Nightmare on Elm Street. Or a, so, I mean, there's things everywhere. And it's like, but that's also kind of half the fun, too. It's like, and especially like doing this and making these lists. And it's like, like, I did my best to sort of be like, hmm, like, how can I really, how can I get tea here? And honestly, I thought that I thought the musical would, just like put you so back far on your feet you'd be like whatever for the rest <laughs> so <laughs> so and it sounds like i did that so mission accomplished i love it yeah and i i can't think of anime apocalypse without thinking of the fucking penguin song <laughs> that is oh yeah that is <laughs> my favorite part of that entire movie but we'll, we'll get into that in a in a, a week or so or whatever the hell we get around to it but it's gonna be a good time uh but yeah just a reminder we'll be back of course on uh wednesday we'll be talking about the mean one which is the grinch horror movie uh, and then we'll be back on sunday uh to officially get caught back on track and uh that sunday we'll be doing anna and the apocalypse so stay tuned on that front uh but for now guys don't forget we will be uh, watching the mean one on kick this tuesday night for twisted tuesday uh 7 30 p.m pacific time over at kick.com for slash totally drunk uh but yeah That'll do it for us here tonight on Handle with Scare, and uh, we'll see you guys for the next one. And remember, there's no such thing as a Hollywood ending. (laughs) That is definitely true, even if it's uh, on the bones of, you know, complete annihilation of the world. Uh, Hell yes. I will warm my hands on the fire of the bones of the annihilation. (laughs)